Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast. Uh, we were really close. We were really close to coming into an episode uh, being happy. It was right there for the taking, and I, I'm almost kind of glad that the walk-off homer was a two-run shot. Um, because if if the Red Sox lost this game by one run, I don't think I would have agreed to do a podcast tonight. I really don't think I would have. If if it came down to that bases loaded walk that that didn't exist with Kevin Pawlecki, and the Red Sox lost this game four to three, at least I can at least I can kind of like swallow the the five three loss a little bit more, but still still ultimately want to die. Um, because of of this team. Every single time <clears throat> that I feel like the Red Sox are turning a corner or that they've figured something out or that the the vibes have changed or that they have a little bit of momentum, none of it ever is true and I'm an idiot for still believing it or feeling it. I think you know what I you know what I really have grown to the point of is that when the Red Sox were winning 3 to nothing early in this game, I didn't tweet anything about like them being back. I didn't tweet anything positive. I was like, you know what? It's 3 nothing, but it's early and something horrible is probably going to happen. And you know what? Something horrible happened. And uh, something also, something great happened. And something great happened today. And that's the Pat Light is back. Pat, well, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be here. It's good to see you. Um, yeah. Pat lost $66,000. I didn't lose $66,000. No, I said 6000 yeah, six thousand. I lost six thousand. How did that feel? Uh, not tremendous. Mm-hmm. I will say the Kentucky Derby is the best sporting event I've ever been at. Okay, and it it now it overtakes, which was a Fenway game when I played played for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and David Ortiz hit a ball off the wa- off the monster to go, have the go ahead run against the Yankees. Uh, I've never heard of a place be that loud in my life. Uh, the Derby beats it though. So you're you're comparing like a regular season Red Sox Yankees game to the Kentucky Derby. I'm just saying that's the best sporting event I've ever been to up to that point. Have you it's, been to the Super Bowl? I feel like that's something Pat. Like I didn't to do. go to the game, uh, but the Super Bowl doesn't really. Yeah, I've never, I've never really like going to watch a football game. I, I it's it's boring to me. But you've been to like Super Bowl week. Yeah, and you think that the Kentucky Derby is a better experience than the parties before the Super Bowl? Oh my God, it wasn't even close. Interesting. Like 10, 10 times better. Like not, it's not even a remote thought. Okay. The Super Bowl isn't like in, uh, I'd rather be uh, on Yaki Way for a Red Sox home series than the Super Bowl thirty times out of thirty. And the Kentucky Derby was in Kentucky this year. This year, yes, yes, yeah. This year, this year. Yeah, some people tweeted at me that they hope I enjoy Hawaii, but uh, it wasn't this year. That was no, that's no. next year. That was the COVID year. Yeah. Yeah, 2020, they had the Kentucky Derby in Hawaii this year. It was actually held in Kentucky. Yes. Uh, it's also, it's Tyler's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Um, of course, the Red Sox do not care whether it's a regular day or my birthday to kick me in the dick, but 
thank you for being consistent in my life for better or for worse and mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm here to suffer i'm here to tweet more death threats towards myself so not yeah. much has changed thank you elon musk one day someone will care <laughs> i care i mean the fact that <clears throat> i don't know what plans that you might have had but you, you didn't you push plans to be here to talk about this fucking awful dog shit baseball team unfortunately i did um yeah i don't know why i was stupid i felt pretty good after trevor story finally you know hit that home run you know i that was one of the happiest moments watching a red sox game i've had in a few weeks Mm -hmm. um but it's okay you know go to bed tonight tomorrow thankfully you know baseball gods there's no red sox game those seem to be the best days lately um so i'll get to you know enjoy my life a little bit and not be miserable like i am right now thank you for letting me get that off my chest Jake, uh, how much fun are you having watching watching the Boston Red Sox this season? Uh, not a ton of fun. Yeah. I actually came from the bar where I was watching the Celtics and the Red Sox on my phone. Um, so I got kicked in the dick by the Celtics and then 30 minutes later just got slapped across the face by the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So, tough night. Tough night. <clears throat> tough night to be a Boston sports fan. Uh, where the Celtics got outscored like 33 to 19 in the fourth quarter or something like that. Yep. Something like that. Had it and blew it. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, brother. I fucking love that. Uh, what a night. What a night to be a Boston sports fan. What a night to be sharing this this uh, podcast platform with you guys. Uh, <clears throat> man, I don't even know where to start. I feel like uh, I did the baseball hour with Matt McCarthy today on 98.5 The Sports Hub. And, uh, you know, we're just... Couple of guys having a conversation about baseball. It was only a half an hour because the Celtics pregame came up at six thirty, um, but we spent a lot of time talking about the the bullpen situation, which, lo and behold, was one of the reasons why the Red Sox lost uh, the game tonight. I won't say it's the only reason. Um, I mean, obviously, you score uh, three runs. That's not great. We can point to the Red Sox offenses we have been all season long. Uh, the bullpen, Ryan Brazier, ends up giving up the the two-run homer to Arcia. And uh, <clears throat> that blown ball four call. Who had home plate tonight? Adam Beck. Adam Beck. Adam Beck. You have any uh you have any run-ins with with umpires, Pat? I mean, I feel like you didn't have much room to like complain. No, I can't complain in my position. And I was throwing legitimate balls and they were being called as such. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if I got some of these calls, I might still be the show right now. Right. I feel like I control wasn't a, an issue for you the whole time, though. Um, No, I don't think it was that. It wasn't that big of an issue in Boston. It became a little bit more of an issue in Minnesota when I was in the yeah. big leagues for a little bit of a longer period of time. Right, uh, but when you no, can't be giving up fucking twenty runs to the Angels if if the pitches aren't in the strike zone to get whacked, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I know what you mean there, big guy. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I just I I wish I I don't want to say I wish I cared more. I I obviously care, but I mean, to to Tyler's point about getting kicked in the dick. I think you can only get kicked in the dick so many times before your balls are just numb. Like my balls are numb. I don't That's, know how else to say that other than my balls are fucking throbbing and, and I don't feel them anymore. It's and and that's not to say again that I, I I've given up on the season. I haven't because I, I 
to the to the the fucking drum that I've been banging on for a little while now. It seems like such a simple solution to move Garrett Whitlock uh, to the closer spot, and I feel like um, there's been some resistance to that people are saying, "Oh, it's going to stunt his his development and this and that." It's like, who the fuck cares about his development when you're trying to win a championship? Like, he won't. He's not even going to be able to carry a starter workload for an entire year. That's just the reality of the situation. It's a guy he threw. You know. If you're hoping for him to throw 140, 150 innings, you're asking for a lot out of him, considering he served last year in relief and he's coming off Tommy John. It's just like Baltimore, Toronto, Chicago, the Angels. How many times you relive the same nightmare again and again and again? It's absurd. And the Red Sox had so many opportunities like you know, I was getting pissed off reading the subreddit the other day because they're saying, we're, you know, we're not holding Haim accountable. Are you people listening? Like when we talk about the Red Sox on this podcast, when they didn't do anything to cover up when Chris Sale went down, knowing Tanner Houck's vaccination status, you shot this team in the foot. You did this to yourself. And now they're going to sit here and they keep coding it as, hey, well, we want to get Garrett Whitlock opportunities in the rotation. Great. You could have had that opportunity if you went and got the proper depth you needed, but you didn't. So now you're in a position here where, and you know, I'm not even going to slander the Red Sox bullpen because you have fine guys. The guys in that bullpen, Ryan Brazier lately has been great for you. You know, gave it up tonight. It is what it is. You just don't have a guy in the back. You don't have someone in the ninth inning who can lock it down and again and again. I don't know where the Red Sox think it's coming from. I, I don't know where they're hoping someone fills that role, but... The reason it's numbing is because the answer is right in front of you. How do you feel bad? How, how do you look at this team and say, oh, well, you know what I mean? How do you feel positive when there's an answer right in front of you? That's it. It's infuriating. This team, the way it's being managed right now and the excuses being thrown out regarding Whitlock, there's ways around it. And they're just choosing not to go that route. And that's what makes it feel like, you know, they're not all in to some degree. And I think that's the worst part of all of this. That is a question that that McCarthy asked me about, uh, you know, does it feel like they're trying to win this year? And I I, I kind of pivoted to where it's like, of course, they're trying to win, but are they doing everything that they can to win? They're no, trying to walk I, that line. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, if, if they were trying to win, you would look at the nine blown saves. You would look at Ryan Brazier as the guy in the ninth inning tonight. And you would say, we have a guy that can do that. We just insist on him being in the rotation right now. And you have, I mean, Michael Walk is on the injured list, but you have three starters uh, that I think have like a mid two ERA without Garrett Whitlock. Um, surely you can find someone to be a fourth, fifth starter and have Whitlock fill that void of like, hey, we have nine fucking blown saves. And what would the Red Sox record be? If Garrett Whitlock started the season as the Red Sox closer, what would it be? Like, would they be 19 and 11 right now? I mean, that's not to say that he would have saved every opportunity, but somewhere close. Like, I, I looked at uh, Garrett Whitlock's um, first innings as a starter, and he made four starts. So let's just say the first inning was the ninth inning, whatever. He's given up two hits, he's got a zero ERA. Like, I'm, I'm pretty confident that if Garrett Whitlock was in the position to save those nine blown saves, maybe you have one blown save. Maybe. Maybe he saves all nine. 
And then we're talking about a completely different season. <clears throat> so yeah, that's kind of just where I'm at on that. And Pat, for you, how difficult, like if you could put yourself in the position of, of a Garrett Whitlock, who is one of those guys that is saying like, I'll do whatever it takes. Just you know, tell me what role you want me in and I'll do it. I just want to win. How difficult would it be to kind of go from where he's at right now, where they're trying to like stretch him out into being a starter, to be like, hey, we need we need you to be the closer. Like, how how difficult of a transition could that really be? Not not a terribly hard trans- transition. What I will tell you guys, and this is why I, I this is why I don't believe that Heim's all in this year, uh, and he's more look, looking long term, is because I, I take you back to Daniel Bard, the transition from closer back to starter is extraordinarily difficult uh, to stretch out like that. And to be good, it's a completely different mentality. You know, He can throw one inning. Any starter can go out there and throw one inning. We've seen Chris Sale do it. We've seen a bunch of starters do it. It's not that hard. Um, but to go from one and all of a sudden now, to be, now you have to rely on back on all those three or four pitches you were using, which you probably were only using one or two in the bullpen. Uh, it's, it's just a very different mentality. And st- good starters, like actually good starters, are so hard to come by. Uh, so... I, if I, I can't fault time all that much by not being like, all right, let's throw this guy back there. Because if you actually have a guy here, what is he, 25 years old? If you actually have a guy here, has, how many years has he been in the league? I don't know, a year or so? Yeah, like, like last year. You, how many years? You, I don't remember the new CBA rules, but you know the old ones, you had five years of control here coming up. You, you have a guy who's throwing, he's got like a 2-1 right now. Right now, starter, You have five years of control over that guy. If he can be a legit starter for you at a pretty cheap rate for the next four years... I I I'm I would be cautious about trying to trying to you know fuck with him too, and, and you know you just inked him to that extension what through his age thirty two season which has incentives for him to start like it's clear the Red Sox told you this is what we see and I think everybody here would tell you he has what it takes to start and what we saw yesterday that those are those growing pains you're talking about Pat where you're going through an order multiple times you got to learn what it's like when you don't have your best stuff some days. You just got to figure out and kind of pitch through it. And he's trying to figure it out. And he will. I, I have no concerns in that department. It's just like we saw at the end of today's game, you had Tanner Houck in that bullpen kind of warming up. This whole team could be structured so much differently. We saw Tanner Houck, who had a nice little run before the whole series in Toronto where he got kicked out and, you know, back into a bullpen role. He was working in that rotation. You know, you had that opportunity. If you had addressed your depth properly, you could have got him some spot starts or just in that rhythm, whether it was two or three innings like we kind of saw early on with him when he was getting stretched out. There are other ways to incorporate this. And they've just gone about it in really the worst way possible for this year and for this roster. And they seem to be willing to bite the bullet if it means, you know, the next two or three years, he's a number two starter for you. Yeah, and I and I completely understand biting the bullet for that. But I agree with you. If you're going to try to win this year, and again, this is why I go back to they're not all in. If you're going to try to win this year, you had to structure your bullpen in a little bit different way. So you didn't need him back there. You didn't, Or you didn't need one of the other starters you wanted to throw back there. You needed to structure it differently if you were actually going to try to win this year in a loaded AL East that we have a good team. Uh, and I think a team that could be doing a whole lot better if we have some better bullpen depth. But uh, if if you don't want to go all in this year, then this is the route you're choosing, and you hope that someone figures it out. But like I said, if we inject some confidence into the back end of that bullpen, this is a very different type of team that might have you said four or five, maybe even six more wins. Walkoffs are going to happen, but uh, it's a very different team and a very different season that we're looking at right now. I, like I just don't think you look at the bullpen as a whole in terms of arms, and you're like, this won't work. It's just you have guys pitching in situations they shouldn't be. Ryan Brazier in the ninth. 
Hansel Robles in the ninth. Matt Barnes, who you just continue to shove it down the poor kid's throat, throwing him in the 10th inning to go figure it out. Hirokazu Sawamura coming up in spots like that. You just shouldn't have to go there. Once in a while, you get it. You know, arms are tired. It is what it is. This is every single game. And we sit here and we're numb. We're panicking. You feel it before it happens. Mm-hmm. Everybody on that team feels it every single one time one of those guys come in. That uneasiness, watching Hansel Robles try to work through the ninth inning there, you know, missing walk. Everybody feels it. And it's like, you know, I made this comp to Jake off the air and not to cross sports, but it's like a UFC fighter. You get clipped in the chin and you go out so many times. It doesn't take that same punch anymore. You just, the lights shut off immediately. You get skin there. You don't have that kind of durability and it gets worse and worse. That's where the Red Sox are right now. It's it's in their heads. They know almost every single time they go out there, a disaster yeah. is going to happen. It's I tweeted right after the game. It's very similar to the Mets lineup when DeGrom's pitching. You just know that they have a tremendous amount of pressure on them. Regardless, even though they know they five scored two runs to win the damn game, it, it, it's it's just pressure. Everyone, because when I do, I used to feel it when because I, I was walking everyone. You're running out there knowing that everyone is looking at you because they're like, this guy fucking walks the house. And you're like, motherfucker, I can't do that this time. But you end up doing it because that's all you end up thinking about on the mound. And next thing you know, Ryan Brazier throws a dick shot. And you can't do that in the Major, in Major League Baseball, certainly not to a Braves. So it's it it's just where we are right now. You need you need some type of injection, whether or not it's a young guy in in what's where are we where, where's that's not Pawtucket anymore. Where's the AAA Wor- Worcester Worcester Worcester? Um, if there's a AAA guy down there, you might be able to give some some innings to that might have some promise, or you go make an early trade to put someone back there. But we're not going to compete at a high level this year, specifically in the AL East, unless you get some some type of confidence in this bullpen. You need something, and it's just nothing's nothing's working right now. Yeah, Vasquez is set up low and away here, and it's just fucking middle in smoked like belt high. Yep, you can't do that. You got to be throwing, you know, 103. And even when you are, sometimes you see Chapman guys like that get hit still there. You just you just can't do that stuff in 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 the Major League Baseball. It's just it's just not possible. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, I I thought for sure once once. That ball four and a fucking of all people, it had to be Colin McHugh on the mound. I fucking hate that guy. I knew you were. Gonna, <laughs> that I, was the first thing I thought of. I fucking hate Colin McHugh. Uh, but let me just say, it didn't have to be him. But a reminder, the Braves got him for one year and four million. They didn't have to be Colin McHugh. It could have been another arm. Mm. But that's what it would have ta- or taken to have another dependable arm in the back of that bullpen. That's what did it. Ryan Tapera get? Uh, I think it was closer. It was like five or five to seven over two years or something like that. It wasn't anything crazy. And listen, I don't want to, you know, pump Ryan to pair up. Like we didn't see him kind of shit the bed against the Red Sox recently. Um, but that's it. Th- that's the kind of arm. If you just had someone like that back there, two someone for dependable, two for 14. Yes. So that's it. You went over the luxury tax. Like that's where I sit there and you're like, oh, the Red Sox are cheap, high and blue and blah, blah, blah. You're spending the money. It's just like you're not going to cheap out seven million dollars. I'm sorry. That's just you thought you had Matt Barnes was going to you know be able to bounce back. Heim, you bet on some of the wrong guys this year. That's it. You bet on a lot of the right ones last year. Tip your cap. And if you're not, you're a clown. Like you're just in denial for last year. But this year, you bet on Matt Barnes. You bet on Bobby Dalbeck. You bet on Chris Sale being healthy. You bet the wrong horses, just like Pat. <laughs> I like that. that. Was well done. That Thank was well done. He brought there. that home. Yeah, <clears throat> he did. Well he did. 
he brought that home. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough when uh, you you have to point. I mean, people. That's that's the whole thing about being a sports fan is that when things are going well, everyone's happy. When things are not going well, you look for someone to blame. It's it's uh, it's the team's job to look for how to fix it. It's the fans and the media's job, of which we're kind of both, to find someone to blame. Like it's not our job to fucking fix it. I mean, I I feel like you know me going out there and saying that Garrett Woodlock should be the closer is my proposal to to kind of fix something, at least one glaring issue. But like uh, it, Jared, you would admit, is that going to fix the offense scoring three runs? No. There you are. No, it's but not. But you also that's also taking consideration similar to the Degrom stuff that I just mentioned. You know, this offense feels as though they have to score seven runs in order to win a baseball game right now. And that's just not realistic, no matter what offense you have every night out to do that. Uh, it, it's we're still talking about Major League Baseball pitchers here. So um, when you, you put un you know, undue pressure on anyone, even in Major League Baseball players, they it's tough to tough to go against. So I think I think that it starts in the bullpen. And I think you might see s- some small fixes in the lineup because now all of a sudden, you know, they win a, th- a two, one ball game or a couple of them. And now they're like, well, okay, we can do this. And they relax a little bit early in the game. They make some hits. Next thing you know, they're winning seven to one. Yeah. Snowball. Just, everything was super positive after that first game. I was like, God damn, that's Cora shaved his fucking beard. Red Sox are scoring. Run. That, like, that was the first time since last year that the Red Sox had breathing room in a baseball game. I forgot what that's like. Like we've seen the Red Sox have a lead in in games this year. They've won some. Uh, they've had leads in games that they did not win. We've seen leads, uh, but nothing like that where it was like, "Wow, I don't even have like this is this is nice." I, I feel like the Red Sox are probably going to win. The, like it would take a colossal fuck up for the Red Sox to lose this baseball game. That felt nice. Uh, not every game can be like that. No team goes through a season where all their wins are easy. Sure, fine. But it was nice to have one, literally one. And then you go into the second game. Things are looking pretty good. Uh, I-, I liked even something that I noticed with like Franchi Cordero. Like he worked a walk that I don't think he works last year. Like I don't think that he like he was up there trying to hit his 578 foot home runs. And I- I've just noticed a different approach or a- an awareness of the strike zone with him. I was like, wow, this is. This is a positive. Like, you know, just watching this game casually, I don't know that everyone's picking up on that. Um, but that's a positive. I like that. Um, but you just had to know that the second that that motherfucker, Colin McHugh, quote unquote, strikes out Kevin Poecki, Poecki gets ejected. And this is my spin zone. I don't know if you guys are going to get there with me on this, but it's true. Technically, the Red Sox are still undefeated with beardless Cora as their manager because he did get ejected. He was not the manager when they lost. I'm going to tweet that right now. Yeah, tweet that. Okay. The Red Sox. While you're tweeting that, I'm going to vent real quick about how people respond to these tweets about Plawecki and stuff like that. That, you know, you got to swing at anything close. Guys. That oh. is, and I, I don't want to insult people that didn't make it very far in baseball, but that is a very little league mentality. And that's what you, because you're, you have, you have, you know, if you're in little league, you have like high school kids umpiring your games and you don't want to leave it up into their hands. Of course, you want to cover the plate, but at the major league level, 
that I've seen, you know, I don't want to give the Yankees credit, but I've seen a tremendous amount of missed calls to Aaron Judge this year at, at the bottom of the zone. I'm sure John Carl Stantz had it. Um, you know, we see this. And in a 3-3 game against the defending champs, uh, bases loaded. And you you want to talk about, you know, we, won, we lost 5-3, so we would have lost if the game went the same way the rest of the way. Who knows what happens in the next step at? Who knows if we don't hit a double bases clearing and now we, we, we extend that lead even further? Uh, you can't miss those calls. And that wasn't even that close. It was at his shins. You absolutely cannot miss that call. And Kevin Puecki is not a guy that argues with umpires very often. Um, and as a catcher, he's got a good good concept of the zone. Absolutely cannot happen. Can't miss that call. And you can't have the, that quick of a trigger on Puecki. The whole thing. I mean, just like we saw last night. It was the Yankees and Blue Jays where we're throwing out a guy on, you know, hitting a guy after a home run, which in a tie ball game, we think that's intentional. If it was, the guy's a fucking moron. Why is mm-hmm. he doing that? In, in, a, in some of the top two teams in the division. And then some guy gets thrown up his chin on like the second pitch of an at-bat. And now you're not tossing him. And everyone's like, Pat, it was the second pitch of the at-bat. Okay, yeah. No one has ever disguised the throwing at someone by throwing the first pitch away from someone, the next pitch at him. Like, that's never happened before. So these umpires have been very disappointing this year. Very underwhelming, as they say. And yeah. what's the other thing with the Red Sox that we've shit on them? They've had no approach for a majority of the year. Like, this is the Red Sox. This is Kevin Pawecki having a moment, taking a pitch he obviously should take. I think, like you're saying, Jared, with Franchi, the last two games, probably the best plate approach we've seen from this team all year. They're doing their damn job. Like, you see them take that ball. They're not the team that's leading the league in chase rates still right now and swinging everything out of the zone. No, they're working those walks. Franchi Cordero with three walks on, or yesterday, you know, like, that's the difference. That's what they've been missing. It's like, when things are going, you know, every way possible against you, this is the stuff that happens. Like, you're legit correcting the problems you have, and you're still getting kicked in the dick. Like, and Cora said it after the game. Like, how defeating is that? It's just, it's such a frustrating place to be in. And when you have no wiggle room, and you've dug the hole you put yourself in, moments like this, it's backbreaking for you. Because it's like, well, we've already had everything go wrong, and this on top of it, it's like, even if we do it right, you know, it's not going to work out for us. Yeah. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. <clears throat> I'm trying to find the the chase rate numbers right now. But the fact that uh, this team had a glimmer of hope after that first game. And it was a short series. They only had to win two. <laughs> they only had to win a couple games to say, damn. They've only won one series this season so far. Who the fuck was that against? Toronto? Detroit. Detroit. I mean, I want to say, I want to say that things will get better. Um, you know, like talking about the offense and, you know, these guys are going to hit and that guy's going to hit. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you're going to start seeing like even like Franchi getting more at bats at first base. Okay. That's fine. Uh, what about Kike? What about... Um, I mean, Trevor Story hit his first home run with the Red Sox in this game. Looked like things were going to be start being, going well. Uh, you heard... I think it was Jemai had the, the cell phone video of the celebration in the dugout. And uh, you could hear someone in the dugout say, season star. All right, season starts now. Here we go. They're Lock thinking out. the same way we do. Like, yeah. And by the way, Jared, I pulled up those uh, the chase percentage number. 
Yeah. Red Sox worse in the league at 31.5%. Uh, Marlins are second worst. Uh, and if you look at swing percentage, they are also the worst in the league at 50.8%. Damn. So you do everything right. You take that pitch like you're supposed to. You're not swinging at garbage. Still happens. A lot is going to depend here, guys, On uh, on as baseball players here. A lot is going to depend on the mental attitude of this team. Is because if you they played two games of good baseball, they they had a fuck up pitch um, in the ninth inning that that lost again. We're talking the defending champs here. This is not the same team that lost two out of three to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you know, it's but it's going to depend on do they take the this is very defeating approach here, or hey, listen, we put together a good series, we got a tough break in the end, and we were very close, and probably one bad you know call away from the umpire from sweeping the defending champs and looking like we're a better club. So it's going to depend a lot on how they how they take this loss. Hopefully, Trevor Story can lead this a little bit by example after getting a home run. I'm sure he's feeling a little better after after today's game. Uh, but if they go into this as a defeating attitude, uh, it's it's worth lining up for quite a long season because the people in the Bronx, I got to tell you, as a New Jersey guy, seeing them, they look fucking good. Uh, they don't look bad. So w- w- this lineup can compete with them, but we need we need everything kind of come together here if we're going to make a run at this. Yankees Keep fans it. are living what we lived last year, where mm-hmm. every single possible thing the first couple of months of the season goes right for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need. You need that luck in baseball sometimes. Yeah. Kike Hernandez leading off for the Boston Red Sox tonight. 0 for 5. Uh, he's hitting 161 with a 491 OPS in the year. Um, JD just keeps doing it. Um, Devers. Like for, Scorching. Yeah. Devers is doing the damn thing. Franchi no hits. Um, who's but yeah. Bear, I, bat, who's, who's, a, who's a better hitter right now? Kike or JBJ? JBJ. Yep. Let's give him a shot. Yeah, JBJ, like, for whatever the numbers are right now, like, what is Jackie Bradley hitting right now? Jackie Bradley's hitting 198 with a 556 OPS. Does not feel like it. Like, I've seen Jackie, like, Jack, like you know, you think of Jackie's season right now, uh, you can think of, like, some solid defense, cannon of an arm. He's had a few doubles. He's hit well at Fenway Park. Like, I, I can't recall... Like off the top of my head, like I can't like picture a hit that Kike had this year. I was surprised I. at Alex Cora stepping out today before the game and kind of calling him out a little bit, saying like this was a guy who did so much damage on fastballs in the strike zone last year. This year, and I'm pretty sure this is exactly what he said. It's just a lot of lazy fly balls. Like that's kind of been the Kike Hernandez experience, and it sucks because you know he really wasn't you know the Kike Hernandez that we all kind of fell in love with last year until the second half. Uh, where he took that step forward. It's just he's even worse than he was at this point. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of people kind of stepping out now. And, you know, we saw Jaron Duran for one game. But is that the kind of shakeup you need to inject something into this lineup and, you know, give you a little boost? It's just that's a hard pull when you're pulling one of the guys who was the face of your postseason run last year. Yeah. Uh, Kike Hernandez against fastballs <coughs> this year. 056. With a yeah, 206 that guy, OPS. That guy cannot be in your lineup, let alone at the front of your lineup. Yeah. he uh, Kike Hernandez against fastballs this season. Um, he is hitting 056. And against lefty, I mean, as a, as a righty hitter, it, it does not have a hit 
against a lefty that's throwing a fastball to him. And he's supposed to be a lefty masher. Yep. He has no hits. He has no hits against lefties. I mean, he's only faced three, in fairness. Um, I mean, if we want to dive deep into the baseball world here, as a pitcher, I can promise you every pitcher is aware of that statistic going into every game against the leadoff hitter. It is astounding. When you can talk to a pitcher (laughs) and talk about how the leadoff guy can't hit a fastball, I mean, it, it... it opens up everything for you. You can so do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, this is this is four seam fastballs. So against four seam fastballs, just four seam fastballs, he actually is hitting 364 with a 1045 OPS against lefties. Um but this was like all fastballs. Um two seam sinker cutter uh yeah. Not great. No, not great. Not great. Um, yeah, against four seam, two seam, sinker, cutter, he's hitting a buck forty three with a four fifty six OPS. So the, just the no hits not, against lefties was only two seams and sinkers. Yeah, he's just not someone you worry about at the top of the line, lineup. No, it's almost it's it's and to face the other guys, Devers, you know, JD Martinez, with one out already. It changes completely how you throw to those guys. It's just so much easier to pitch against those guys when you're doing that. You can be so much ca- more careful with it. And then you happen to get one of those guys out, and now the next guy's, you know, well, whatever, go, go to first base. I don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just, it just, you need a guy at the top of the line to do well. He did so well for us last year there. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing a shakeup. I wouldn't mind seeing JBJ up there. Uh, we talked about how he wasn't going to be in center because Kike was such a better hitter. Well, that hasn't worked out. You know, nothing has worked out. No, but getting a leadoff guy on is going to change how that, that lineup hits as well. So there's, there's certain things here that are just small misses that we need to do. We can change that can really change the dynamic of this team. But, you know, we often talk about that with Red Sox teams where it's it, not like, Oh, we're just fucking horrendous. It's, you know, Oh, we could, we just did this. We'd be fine, but we just don't ever end up doing it. And we've seen, you know, with the lineup now, they tried Trevor Story up there. Disaster. Did not work with him in the leadoff spot as he's trying to adjust. Just start striking out at a ridiculous rate. You'll kind of look around here. You know, we know Alex Verdugo got a shot there last year. Didn't really do much for you. Um, and we know how he's swinging the bat right now. You know, showing a little life, which is nice again. But he's been cold for a majority of the year. There's not options, I think, on the roster right now for that leadoff spot to go to that you can kind of mix it up. They've already tried. And you have a lineup that keeps getting juggled. How many times are you going to juggle things before guys like they need that consistency day in and day out if they're going to kind of settle in? That's just, yeah, I have a hard time seeing it on this roster right now being a solution. I I think that guy is Duran. And I feel bad, you know, bringing Duran up because, yes, he's swinging it pretty well in Worcester. He had a three strikeout game today, which isn't great, but... New mechanics. Looks like it's working. He's found the middle ground between power and kind of spraying the ball all over. What is there really besides that? And it you shouldn't have to do something like that at this point in the year. You should get to let him develop, especially because, you know, the next time he fails at the big league level, he's going to lose that prospect kind of charm to him. So not a good spot to be in. Not yeah. at all. You have three dudes that are the middle of the order bats in Bogarts, Devers, and J.D. Martinez. And then there's no one else with an on-base percentage that's north of 280. 
Story, Kike, Verdugo. Those are the three guys. You know, say what you want about the bottom of the lineup. Every team's going to have some of those holes. You know, look at the Yankees, a catcher. Like, they're getting basically no offensive production whatsoever. You know, you can afford a JBJ in right field. You know, you could even get by. Last year, they got by with Bobby Delbeck giving you nothing and Kike not giving you much the first half. It's just, you need Verdugo. You need Kike. You know, you need Trevor Story. Those are the things you're missing. And you had guys like Hunter Renfro last year that gave you that in a big way. Uh. <clears throat> Trevor Story, Christian Vasquez, Jackie Bradley, Alex Verdugo, Christian Arroyo, Kike Hernandez, and Bobby Dahlbeck have a combined on-base percentage of 257. Just imagine yeah. what those RBI totals would look like when you have Bogarts, Devers, and Martinez hitting the hell out of the ball. Yeah. like That must put so much pressure on, guys, on those three guys, Bogarts, Devers, and JD, to essentially have to know, hey, it's on us. <laughs> If we don't get it done, then it ain't happening. Or like if if you're at the the back end of of that three, like if you're JD, it's like I just hit a double. I'm probably gonna stay out here. <laughs> like who's driving me in? Don't know. Like who's that guy? Who who's the guy that's that's driving in the guys? Um. Yeah, I just <sighs> that was yeah. Sunday. J.D. Martinez, double in the bottom of the ninth. Just hanging out there. Just sitting out there the entire time. Yeah. What was the game changer yesterday? Trevor Story, Alex Verdugo. Couple bloopers. Um, Well, you know, I think it was Franchi walked. JBJ walks. Boom. You set up Devers. Just like that, you put up a six spot. That's what you need. You need to set the table for those guys. And they just, they never get any of those opportunities right now. Yep. Yep, especially, I don't know, like, do you fucking lead Devers off? Like, do you just go Devers, JD, Bogarts, and then fucking hope for the best after that? Like, what do you do? Um, Like, it's it's hard. Not that, like, Kike's leading off every single game, but it's hard trotting a guy out there that's that, that's doing nothing. You're already starting the inning with one out. Um, And just, yeah, it's it's up to those three fucking guys, and that is very depressing. And that is not that's not what we're used to seeing as Red Sox fans. Like we're used to seeing deep, long lineups. Um, you know, we've we've seen the fucking number nine hitter win a goddamn batting title here before. Shout out Bill Miller hit three twenty six in two thousand three. Manny hit three twenty five. Yeah, I mean, shit. I don't know. But if you want to go see the Red Sox, I got just the place to to go get those tickets. It's SeatGeek. I'm so sick right now. <coughs> this team has made me like physically ill. Like I sound like shit. I feel like shit. You look it. <clears throat> I look like shit. But at least you'll feel awesome if you get tickets through SeatGeek. And that's just it's it's the ticket app. Slash website of the name redacted podcast, America's most beloved podcast. Um, did you know, Pat, that your butt has a favorite app? I I did know that. Yes, it's uh, it's SeatGeek. It's SeatGeek. Have you ever uh, have you ever used SeatGeek before, Pat? Like all the time. All the time. What do you? Uh, what do you? Are you a concert guy, Pat? Big concert guy. What's when's the last con- what's the last concert you went to go see? 
The last concert I think I went to go see was uh, oh, what was his name? It was a Thomas Rhett. Who the fuck is that? Country singer. Ah, yeah, Thomas Rhett. Love him. Yeah. And you use SeatGeek for that? You're damn right, I did. And you got great seats, didn't you? Oh, the best seats. The best seats in the house because I that's... played with him. You did what? I played. I, I that sounded bad. I was in the concert with him. <laughs> you were in the concert with him. Yep, because of SeatGeek. Ah, yes. Do you have musical talent whatsoever? You wouldn't believe the musical talent that I have. Okay. Can you sing? Like really well. Yeah. Have you ever thought about uh, getting in the studio and recording a solo album? Oh, yeah. I already have one. I just never released it because I didn't want to break the charts. Right. Yeah. A lot of friends in the music industry. Right. That would be disrespectful to them if you just came in and started breaking the charts like that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. No, I can see that. I could see that for sure. Um, you know, the thing about SeatGeek is that it's so beloved by butts everywhere that they've made it the highest rated ticketing app, uh, whether it's concerts. Like, I'd love to go see Pat Light in concert. I'll tell you that right now. I would be electric. Concerts, baseball, basketball, football, festivals, or anything else. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to 10 to make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. And you listening to this right now can get $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Jared. That is J-A-R-E-D at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. That is promo code Jared for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. Download the app today. Um, you know what? I, uh, I want to get... Jake, do you, have, Jake, do you have Jake's takes right now? Do you have any takes? It's been a tough night. I don't it's know. It's been a tough I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jake do Jake's takes. I need to go blow my fucking nose. Like I'm I'm doing terrible right now. So I'll, I'll be right back. All right, Jake's take. <laughs> Let's get it, right, Jake. Everyone ready? You betcha. Shoot from the hip. Yeah. Um first of all, I think we should probably win a couple games. Mm-hmm. Great take. Boston in general should probably win a couple games. I mean I know this is a Red Sox podcast, but I think we probably have some crossover with Bruins and Celtics fans. But I mean, let's be honest, the last couple nights have been just abysmal here in Boston. So a Sox win tonight would have been huge. Um, didn't get that at all. Uh, so yeah, my take is Boston's got to win, win some games and let's get back on track. All right, great take. I think that's what the people needed. Jake, can I ask you a question? Go. What was the uh, vibes at the bar? Is that Celtics game wind down? Did people just absolutely start losing their minds or was it just silence? I mean, as it was winding down, we were up like six points with three minutes left. It was it was still loud. We were hitting big shots. We were getting big stops. It was it was loud at the bar. And I was even talking to the bartenders and they're like, yeah, this is going to be a, a huge night for us on a Wednesday because of the Celtics. And then out of nowhere, it was not. I think everyone cleared out immediately after the game ended when they thought they were getting two more hours of business. I'm sure Pat can speak on that too. Yeah, I, I mean, we were talking today about how we had a little bit of a bigger, um, a bigger day, and on a Wednesday because we, when the Yankees play during the day and then win, people like get on the trains and they get back to Hoboken, and when they get back, they they still want to drink, and happens to be one of my bars is right off that, um, right off the path train. So I can certainly, certainly speak to that. On top of that, we had some drama 
at a at a a um, company that shall not be named that was also doing something at the the bar. So um, turned into quite the quite the Wednesday, but could have had more as I can as I know is if I was in a Boston bar in Celtics one. So Pat, as as a bar owner, this is something that I always wanted to know. When I go to a bar and I'm watching a big playoff game, obviously I need to hear the sound. And some bars do it right where they'll they'll blast the broadcast during the game and then during commercials they'll play music. Is that something you do at your bars or do you uh, it depends on the bar? Uh so uh whereas one of my bars um I I make more money as a bar owner with music on. Because when there's game sound on, you're going to hold your beer and you're going to watch the game. I need you to drink. You watching the game does nothing for me. Um, so that one of the bars, the bar Green Rock, um, we do not play game sound. What we do during football season, which is when really people are there for our things, or in sometimes Yankee games, we'll play like big moments. Like Red Zone, we'll play like if, let's say, at the bottom of the ninth and the Yankees are in a scoring position, we'll play the sound then because we want the atmosphere Stuff like that. McSwilbo's, on the other hand, that is a pretty pretty legitimate sports bar, so that will get more game sound um, and then music during the uh, during the commercials. It's an interesting philosophy. Which one? <clears throat> the the music versus game sound thing. Yeah, I, you just watch the crowd. Like we we, we used to play uh, game sound for all the the entire Giants game uh, at Green Rock, and then. Um, me when I came in as one of the owners, I'd sit, I'd stand there, watch the crowd, and everyone stopped drinking. And I was like, "Oh, I don't want that. That sounds terrible." Uh, but you have an enormous amount of drinks ordered after the Giants score a touchdown. But you only have it when there's the atmosphere of the Giants just scored. The music comes like comes storming back on, and the place goes nuts. So when the Giants are in it and in the red zone, we want that. So we'll tweak it on right there, and then. Go nuts if they score, and then you make a ton of money. Interesting. Mm. It's all human psychology. Manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, you're manipulating people. Look at that. Wow. A little trick of the trade there. Uh, who had the fucking Bogarts the St. Louis story today? Was that Morosi? Oh, yeah. We just, it was the media had nothing uh, better to do today. It was Morosi and then uh, Jim Bowden. Yeah, from the athletic. He put a proposal. Uh, you know, kind of piecing it together where Bogarts would have signed an eight-year extension upon the deal to the Cardinals, and that would have been the fallout of the entire thing. Yeah, no. No, it's much A trade he would like to see before the end of May, by the way. I believe that ah, was the framing of the article. Got it, yeah. So the Red Sox are going to trade Xander Bogarts before the end of May to the St. Louis Cardinals, who are going to give Xander Bogarts an eight-year extension of uh, eight times twenty-seven, so it was what, like two, 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 twelve, two, sixteen, two, sixteen. Uh, yeah, that seems legit. Uh, yeah, I hated. Re- I mean, we talked about that on the last episode. No, of how bad does it have to get before the, the Xander Bogarts trade rumors started, and they, it happened before we could do another episode. And the Red Sox had won; they won a game. So, I. There was nothing stopping that from happening. Like there was nothing stopping uh, the the scribes from from stirring the pot and being like, "Well, you know, Paul DeYoung got demoted. Uh, the Red Sox have a shortstop who's going to opt out and become a free agent. He's disgruntled. Want to send him to a winner? I see the fit. I don't see the logic. 
there is a fit. I'm sure the Cardinals would love to have Xander Bogarts. I'm sure that they would pay him uh, eight years and 216 million to to be their shortstop. Sure, why not? But see, my issue is it's like we know Xander Bogarts, Scott Boris client. He he wants his money. We we know what that's about. He wants the market. He wants different teams bidding on him. I have a hard time believing he's going to go to the Cardinals, which, you know, that's a possibility, that trade route. Don't get me wrong. But that he's going to agree to the extension right there, you know, two months away from finally getting to free agency and getting that bag. He wants that Carlos Correa, you know, Corey Seager type money. I don't know. I'm scared that the Red Sox are going to try to frame it like it's John Lester. And, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to ship him out, but we'll be in touch. No fucking chance. Hell no. Like the the fans here are too smart. The media is too powerful. Uh, the Red Sox could not frame a Xander Bogarts trade as like, hey, we're gonna trade him to like get something for him. But like, don't worry, we're gonna make a run at him in free agency. It's like, motherfucker, you should have paid him uh, before the season started when he wanted to talk to you. When he wanted to talk to you, uh, I'm sure he. Like he's not at a point now where he's going to take a big time hometown discount because he already did that. He already took the hometown discount to stay here uh, under the, the the deal that he currently has right now, and the opt outs were in there for a reason so that he could hit free agency. It's like yeah, I'll take a little bit of a hometown discount, and then I'm going to opt out if I continue to be awesome. And lo and behold, he has been awesome. So now it's time to pay up. And if you don't, someone else will. And that someone else is probably going to look really smart for doing it because he's been one of the most durable, most consistent shortstops in Major League Baseball. I mean, like, look at what look at what the the New York Mets paid Francisco Lindor. I'm sure that like, you know, it, it, he was part of the culture change over there. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't want Francisco Lindor on my team, but I'm telling you right now, I'd rather have Xander Bogarts. I would. Here's like, a question if you, if, for you. If, if, sure. Name a team that needs needs a shortstop right now that spend a lot of money that we would fucking hate him going to. Oh, that that was the rumor the last time around. I don't even like imagine like that. I don't think he would do that, but maybe he would. Maybe yeah. the Red Sox have pissed off Xander Bogarts to the point where he would. Because I I think if the Red Sox let him go to go to um go to free agency, which is happening to- guaranteed. Let, and then let him dick around out there. Let, they're not going to actually make a legitimate push at the, push at him. Then, oh yeah, I think I think he goes to wherever gives him a lot of money, and they have, he wants to win a championship. And the way the Yankees are playing right now, they could go on a run here uh, if they continue to progress this way. And why? And they have a they have a they have a hole at shortstop, and Xander fits that hole, and they have money to spend. Well, they have Kiner Falafa. Yeah, yeah. On the bright side. They got Anthony Volpe coming along the way, who that's their excuse for not going to get a, you know, upper echelon shortstop this offseason. I just like I look around and I hate to say it, but I think and it's becoming more likely by more likely by the day that there's a fire sale of all the JD uh, Bogarts. They just sell off here, get all these pieces out of here. And their idea is come November, they probably have a top three farm system in the entire sport. Most you know, publications have them at 10 to 13 right now. You sell off those pieces, you're going to be right there. Um, I don't think they'd move off of Devers, especially with another year to talk and considering they seem willing to push past their philosophies to extend him. Those are at least the rumors we've heard. It wouldn't shock me 
if that's where we're standing, you know, six months from now. If that's what happens, like last year was supposed to be like the bridge year. Like 2020 was the the blow it up year. 2021 was supposed to be a, a somewhat of a bridge year. You you made it to the ALCS. And then if you end up selling off those pieces, because like Avaldi is another name that we don't talk about as being a guy that's up at the end of the year. We don't talk about that. Uh, JD, we don't talk about that. Those are those are guys that are up at the end of the year. We keep talking about Bogarts. We keep talking about Devers. Uh, rightfully so. But this team could look very, very different. And we were talking about this team could look very different next year. This team could look very different in fucking August. <laughs> we could like it wouldn't surprise me if we have some 2012 Moro Gomez. Like uh, that, that's the name that always comes to my mind where you just have random pieces because you're just trying to fill the roster for a month and you know, some guys James are- Loney just doing it. Just do it like whatever it is. And you're just trying to get by. You sell off some of the relievers in that bullpen because you're getting prospect capital and you have Connor Siebold and Josh Winkowski, you know, making starts. Who knows? You know, Brandon Walter, if he can get up to the bigs at that point. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Jaron Duran out there every day and they're saying, screw it. Let's just let the kids play and let's see where it takes us. You know, not we're not going to go anywhere, but hopefully they can get some good development time and give us an idea where they're going. Yeah, well, yeah. if we have 2012 vibes, the good news, the silver lining there, though, is the, the draft. I mean, the 2012 draft was, um, bar none, probably number one draft of any franchise in the last That was the biggest <laughs> two decades waste of a first-round pick in franchise history. Like, you could make the case that that was the worst first-round decision outside of, like, Henry Owens was pretty bad. Trey Ball. I can't Trey Ball slide. was very bad. Oh, what's, is he still playing? No. He's done? Uh, yeah. He, well, he the last thing he tried to do, he tried to convert to be a positional player, and he just couldn't do it. He like was really? actually hitting. Uh, like He's he tried nice to kid. hit. That, uh, that's what it, people always said. It's just, I think he had like a nice walk-off hit at one point, like right when he first started hitting, but it was terrible besides that. Yeah, he was nice. He was a little weird. I think nice. 2018 was his last year in pro ball. 2018 was my last year in pro ball. Wow. I was way better than him. <laughs> I had mental issues. I was a mental midget. I, if I wasn't such a dumbass, I would have been. I would have been fantastic. Do you think you're still a dumbass? No, well, I, mental midget and dumbass don't really correlate. I actually used the wrong word there. Hmm. Um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Actually, I will use dumbass because I think that if I, I've said this a few times, if I think if I didn't try to throw 100 miles an hour every single time out of the bullpen, that I would never have ended up with those control issues. Do you think you can just like try to not throw as hard? When I was a starter, I threw 100, but I threw like 92, 95 for the majority of it. And then when I'd get to, I'd use 100 as like one of my out pitches or to set them up because I knew 100, you know, remember my 100 was pretty flat. So I knew they'd get a piece, fouled off maybe or get bad contact. But you set that up. Well, now you just threw 100 and now you have to guess if 100 is coming again or there's splitter. And I think I think I could have if I was as intelligent as I am now, because I am really intelligent now. Yeah. Um, I I uh, I think I would have been done better. You think with all the pitching technology, Pat, you'd be different today? Like, you know, with how much pitchers have kind of gone into that and how many guys have resurrected themselves or kind of put it together? You think uh, you could have benefited from that? It's it's hard to say. So I said the technology really helped me, not so much the technology, but the, the analytics on when I went to Pittsburgh and absolutely just focused on throwing splitter all the time. 
Um, I think that could have helped my career because I think that was a way to get back to fastball command for me because on 0-2-1-2 counts with my splitter, if I went throw fastball, I was fine. I didn't care what the fuck had happened and then I ended up having control over it. Um, so I think that could have got me back. Uh, I just didn't have enough time to do it. Uh, but I'm not so much, so much sure about that. I, just, I risked my approach to to pitching didn't change just because I knew everyone was so excited that I was about to throw 100 all the fucking time. I wish my approach didn't change so much, um, and I, I kind of <coughs> controlled myself a little better. I do have some news, by the way. Trey Ball was in pro ball in 2019. That was the year he attempted mm-hmm. to hit. What year was he drafted? 2013. Fuck. We played the same amount of years. It's true. But he never made it to the big leagues. No, never got past double A. <laughs> Way better. Way better. Trey, if you're listening, I, you were very nice. I actually enjoyed playing golf with you quite a few times. He does. He does listen. Does he? Yeah, he listens every episode. Are you friends with him? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, we best gone, friends. We've gone golfing a bunch of times. Bunch, bunch of okay, bunch of times. Several times. Several times. Yes. Yeah, he's he uh he's got the uh the the ping set. I don't believe that's correct, but no, okay. It is. Okay, maybe it's new. It yeah no, he's been using it for a while. Mm. I just been... just broke my ping driver. Okay, why'd you do mm-hmm. that? I didn't do it on purpose. Ah, yeah. It's the second time this driver's broke. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll get you a new one because you just wasted $6,000 on the Kentucky Derby. <sighs> I'm telling you guys, I can't. I know this is not, we, we don't need to talk about the Red Sox anymore. That, that Kentucky <laughs> Derby was so much fucking fun. Although I felt a little uncomfortable posting the, the video of me putting down the $6,000. But I thought it was good content for it's the good brand. For content. It's good for content. Were uh, people like just, shit talking you? No, not actually, not at all. I just thought it was a little showy. No, uh, I, I was do. The thing is, not everyone that follows me is following me because of the podcast, right? So then they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Now they just think I'm just like, yeah, I have six thousand dollars to put on the. Meanwhile, I'm sitting over there like handing the hundred over. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was an awesome event. I'm very happy. Michael Phelps said hello to me. I, you guys kind of look alike. I've, I've been told that yeah. he said hello to me first. I did not say hello to him. So he That's said, "Hey, hey, palite of uh, the name redacted podcast, America's Most Beloved podcast, former Red Sox first rounder, a huge fan." Uh, yeah, and I, my response was, "Was hey, hey, man?" I didn't say his name. Mm-hmm. I said, "Please, no pictures right now." Yeah, and did he respect that, or did he? Just yeah, he respected that. Yeah. He respected. He, yeah. I think he snuck a quick one, like one of these. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I was okay with that. Listen, yeah. I understand. It's me. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I get it. <laughs> yeah, he was probably really excited. Oh, as everyone was, it was, uh, I mean, even, you know, Donald Trump was there. He came over, said hello. Yeah. Yeah. So you shake your hand or I've said, please not right now. Yeah. yeah. I was, so you I was eating. You was didn't eating. want to take, you didn't want to shake his hand. No, 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 no. I was right. eating and I was like, Donnie, not right now. Right. Did he come yeah. back later? Or you probably forgot or. Uh, no, I was, there was a certain point where I was completely secluded where no one was allowed to back and back to me. He did come back and I, we told him, please, Pat's trying to watch the derby right now. Got it. Yeah. At what point uh, were you partying with Drake and Jack Harlow? You know, I didn't even know they were fucking there till this morning. <laughs> oh God, Jesus! <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. There's so there's a few levels here. Um, there's what's called the Turf Club, which is where we were, which is just like one big restaurant with like a, a lot. It's like it was like I saw Phelps, I saw Chase Rice, um, Morgan Wallen, Darius Rucker, like a ton, a ton of people. Uh, then there's a place Steaks, which is more secluded. But not as big, so it's not really as cool to be at. But that's where Trump had his had, has he had a fundraiser at the Derby. That's when you know you're 
charging a lot of money when your fundraiser is the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and then the top is the mansion. And the mansion is like the hardest thing to get into in the world. Um, and like billionaires have been thrown out of it. Um, like they don't fuck around up there. So it doesn't sound as much fun. Uh, but because it's so secluded and exclusive to be in, I want to be there. Do you think you'll get there at some point? Yeah. That sounded my, confident. Yeah, I think my uh, my next my goal after big leagues was to become a billionaire. So that's the goal. So if I can become one, then I can get up there. I think you'll, I think you'll get up there. I, actually, next year when the Kentucky Derby is in Arkansas, uh, is that where it was announced? Yes. Yeah, Little Rock. Yeah, it's in Little Rock. Little Rock. Uh, so we're me and Pat are going to go, and uh, oh. I'll get you. In. Yeah. No, of course you could. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy for you. That's that's nothing for you. Well, I just I don't like to go every year. I try and I don't want to like get used to it, you know. I try to yeah. keep it special. Of course. I guess. Especially I mean you can't miss Little Rock's year. Yeah. Kentucky Derby in Little Rock. Is <laughs> is 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 Little Rock in Arkansas? Yeah, I think it's the capital, isn't it? Yes. It is? Yeah. I was just testing you. Yeah, I know. You knew that. I am super congested right now. I'm concerned. You seem to be getting sicker with every minute. Yeah, I I think I'm getting sicker as the show is going on because I think the Red Sox are actually killing me at this point. Isn't it more sick? No. No. So I trust Tyler. I'm a scholar. I wrote a a book. Did you, though? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You didn't have someone else write it for you? Why would I do that? I was a a writer at one point. Huh? I was a writer back in my day. Back in your day. Yeah. Do you blog anymore? No, nah, not really. I used to. I, I like to it. Do that. I miss it. Will but. we get another book? See, I've thought about that. Like, I wanted. I I started. I started the second book, like a couple of years ago, maybe. And then I was just like, ah, oh, like, do I want to like put for, like I having having gone through the process of writing the first one has deterred me from writing the second one because I know how much work goes into it. And it's just such a pain in the fucking balls. It'd be a lot. It'd be different though today, right? Like compared to where you were obviously at that point, maybe more assistance on that side. It's not that I need like assistance. It's like, it's just the time that it takes to write a goddamn book. And then like, I'm such a control freak that like I would essentially write and then edit my own book to then give to an editor as a second set of eyes because when you're reading your own stuff you're obviously not going to catch everything uh so yeah it's a it's a it's a pain in the balls maybe someday maybe i would never i i have if i ever have a book out it's it's a ghostwriter you would have a ghostwriter well yeah i would not type a single word why Uh, one i'm not that great of a writer yeah Uh, well i'm great Yeah. Also, I'm, a, I'm not a control freak in any way. Yeah. Against my career. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, bar. It's a bar. Get it? Mm-hmm. Get it like pitching fastball control? Yeah, no, everyone got it. We, didn't, we don't need to go yeah. to depth. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Red Sox, huh? Listen, look at the positives. What's the it, positive? 
after a after the the route we just had the last like three weeks where we're losing two, two out of three to almost every team imaginable. Yeah, we just split with the defending champs, and we were one bad call not in our not in our our um, control. Yeah, of probably winning that game. <laughs> Because even if you talk about the ninth inning, let's say we don't score the rest of the inning, the ninth inning dynamic is different when you're down one than when you have nothing to lose and it's a tie ball game. So I mean, who 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 do you think's pitching in the ninth inning if the Red Sox have a four three lead instead of it being a three three ball game? Because it's not Ryan Brazier. Like, how would that bullpen have been deployed? Do you think? I don't re- I don't recall who was available. Tyler would have probably have a better idea of this than I would. Yeah, you'd be. In a tough spot, Robles worked yesterday. Schreiber pitched today again, coming off another day. You used Strom today as well. Do you really have a better option back there? Jake Diekman? Yeah, like, I was going to say Diekman. Which I would, honestly, I'd probably prefer Brazier with a clean inning right now. Because Bra- Brazier's been that good lately. Like he, He's pitched really well for them. Salamora. Oh God! Don't even. I'd rather die. Seriously, I don't. What the hell is he even doing on this roster? Like they don't trust him in any situation. No. Like at all. Like I understand. You know he'll come out here sometimes when they need him to give him. You know an inning once they're down five runs. But like even in terms of that, like the stuff, it'll pop a little bit. But he doesn't throw strikes. I feel like there's so many other guys I'd rather see in that spot. Um. But I don't know. Like I'd bring Phils Valdez back up and let him hold it down over there compared to him. I think Hauk was warming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that would probably be the answer then. It would have been Hauk. They would have let him go and finish that thing. And that's where you try and play the Whitlock role, right? And you yeah. say, can Tanner Hauk do that or give you something close to that? Mm. I Personally, I think the guy I want to see in the ninth get some opportunities Matt Strom. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Dude, weak contact and he throws strikes. Please. Just give me some of that. That's all I want. And, you know, you had to go to him a little bit earlier. But out of everybody, is there a safer option? At least you're not going to walk the bases and see what happens to you again. Yeah. Been there. And it's a it's a yeah. different look from the left side a little bit. I feel like Strom just overall, he's been arguably your best reliever pickup. And why not give him a shot? Yeah. And he, I'm, lefty, I'm, righty, the splits aren't bad. Yeah. I tweeted that earlier during the game. I said, uh, <coughs> As I sit here dying, I tweeted Matt Strom for closer with the asterisk. And then underneath, I said, assuming that they're too thick headed to put thick headed to put Garrett Whitlock in that role. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they've got to make some adjustments because I swear to God, if we have to do this fucking podcast for four more goddamn months and three of them are talking about a team where we don't even know who's on the team anymore. That I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get in my fucking bathtub with a goddamn toaster oven is what I'm gonna do. I can't do it. Uh stop a chop look ahead. Red Sox have not named by the way, remember when I did the stop and chop look ahead and I just shit all over Reed Detmers and then he threw a no hitter? I was gonna bring this up today because that was the <laughs> first thing I thought of when I saw that. <laughs> Reed Detmers. I don't even like it. It wasn't that even that he was bad. I, something about his name. I was like, I just don't like this guy. And then I looked at his uh, the video of him getting drafted. I was like, oh, he seems really cool. Seems very humble and just like a nice kid. Proud of your growth. <laughs> so you you have to live and learn. You have to live and learn. And uh, credit to me for making adjustments. Um, 
But yeah, Reed Detmers, formerly of the Stop and Shop look, had through a no-hitter against the Tampa Bay Rays, who find a way to get no-hit almost every single year, even when they are good. <clears throat> I mean, they, they let Dallas Braden throw a perfect game against them. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Uh, Red Sox have not named a starter for the second game of the series. Am I correct on that? Uh, so, yeah, this weekend's a little bit sticky at the moment overall. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, they really don't have a plan. Uh, they're hoping Rich Hill can start one of those games. Uh, at AAA right now, the idea is Connor Siebold, who pitched yesterday. Josh Winkowski pitched today. Uh, Winkowski only went two innings, and they pulled them early. They're trying to save bullets. Siebold's also in that spot. So I'm guessing one of those starts this weekend could end up going to one of them. So I'd imagine that would be Saturday because I've got Nick Pavetta versus Dan Dunning on Friday. <clears throat> and then no name Red Sox starter on Saturday against Glenn Otto. Who the fuck is Glenn Otto? And then on Sunday, you would have Garrett Whitlock versus John Gray. So they push Whitlock back to Monday. Yes. Okay. This is a four-game series, right? I believe so. Is it? Is it? Has to be if it goes all the way to Monday, right? Yeah. Oh, no. We'll play Astros on Monday. What's the four-gamer then? Seattle? Seattle. Yeah. Next weekend. Wait. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. We have a four-gamer with Seattle coming up the next homestand. Okay. Uh, Fucking Dane Dunning. He's been pretty good this year. Two and one, a three three eight ERA, a one point twenty two WHIP, strikeouts per nine, eight point seven. He's pitched into the fifth and five of his six starts this year. He hasn't allowed more than six hits or three earned runs in a game yet. Uh, walks are a little bit of an issue for him. Uh, not a big velo guy. He tops out at ninety. <laughs> that's tough. That's like fucking. That's like a Pat Light splitter, right? Where was your splitters? Like eighty eight. Uh, yeah, I'd say about that on average. I yeah. get up there. I I threw a couple at 92, 93, but that's, that was rare. Yeah. He's a sinker slider change up guy. Uh, Rangers are three and three in a six starts. Red Sox hitters, 350, 381 on base, a 1081 OPS. Uh, Bogart's two for three with a homer. Glenn Otto. He's been pretty good too. A 314, uh, a whip right around one, a little below. Uh, last year, <clears throat> last year he was dog shit. That's why I, I don't know who the fuck he is. Twenty three in the third innings with a nine twenty six ERA. Only has three starts this year because he started the year on the injured list. He held Houston and the Yankees to two earned runs each in nine and a third innings total. Uh, not a big uh, go deep into games guy. The um, fifth's kind of ugly. Four seventy. Yeah. His slider, 51.7% whiff rate. Uh, Rangers are 2-1 and one in his starts, and he's never faced the Red Sox. Uh, John Gray stinks. He stinks. It's his first home start of the season somehow. Uh, he's only made it out of the fourth inning once. Maxing out at five innings and four starts. Uh, not a big strikeout guy. Four, four, three, four in his starts. He walked three his last time out against the Yankees. Uh, he's got some velo, but uh, it's hittable. Been on the IL twice this year already. Not great. Red Sox hitter, surprisingly, not well. Did not do well against 
John Gray, 234, with a 697 on base. Verdugo's got a homer. JD's got a couple homers. Uh, all right. What do we think about this series against the Texas Rangers? Pat, I'm going to start with you because you are on a hot streak of correctly picking things. Well, that's because I'm really good at this type of stuff. Yep. I think I, you know, I liked the way the Red Sox looked in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Uh, I know we're upset about how the, the last game turned out, but I, I'm happy with how the Red Sox looked in Atlanta. I like the way they're playing. I like the passion I've seen. I like Pulecki getting on the umpire a little bit. I, th- I, think, I, I think we take two out of three. Oh, a little yep. two out of three piece for Pat. Yeah. And I don't think other than the opening series of the year where I was just picking it to be a homer, um, I don't think I've picked a series this year that I thought that they'd win. Uh, so this is I, this could be the first one I've picked. I know I haven't been around a lot during the pod, but um, I think we take two out of three. I like the way this team is looking right now. We have a nice mm. off day. We're going to be well rested going into the Texas <laughs> series. I'm, I think I'm, I'm thinking good things right now. Okay. By the way, Texas Rangers are 12 and 17 this year. With a negative seven run differential. By the way, another another point here: the Yankees are the only team with a positive run differential in the big bad AL East, where everyone was supposed to be nasty, except for uh, us, the Orioles. Um, yeah, the Blue Jays have quietly dropped four straight games and have almost caught us in blown saves. I did not realize that until today that the Toronto Blue Jays have eight blown saves, the Red Sox have nine blown saves. And they're only two games above 500. The Tampa Bay Rays actually passed them in the standings. Uh, not that that matters when we're talking about the Texas Rangers, but Texas Rangers are 12 and 17. And uh, Pat Light going with two out of motherfucking three. Tyler, what do you got? Listen, yeah, I'm going to go two out of three, too. And wow. I, know, I know I wasn't super positive. I don't, me, Jared, and Jake, you know, we had the pact, we took a sweep. We said they were the Red Sox were going to lose in the hopes that we could kind of reverse jinx it. Yep. Um, I don't know what you're going to do if you don't take this series right now because you got Houston come up coming up. I don't feel good about that series already. Um, and then Haven't Seattle they won eight straight. Yeah, they're they're on fire. Uh, and then you have Seattle after that, who you know they've kind of been up and down to start the year, but I think they're going to you know kind of find their rhythm soon and uh, get back over 500. They've but, stunk recently. Yeah, they're, they have. They've lost eight out of ten. Yeah, that's a, that's rough. Um, but I, I think that Mariners team, I do think they're going to kind of figure it out this year. Um, America's team, as Jared likes to say. Correct. Um, I have some concerns with the Red Sox in terms of the pitching this weekend. You know, Rich Hill coming off COVID. Um, and then likely the debut of possibly Winkowski or Seabold coming up for, you know, his second big league start. We'll see how that goes. But I think Trevor Story, <laughs> Cohen home. We know he had interest talking to the Rangers, hit his first home run uh, today. I Didn't they maybe, say Waka has a chance of, of pitching in this series? I think before he went on the IL. Uh, then the I thought conversation that it was when they, when they put him on there. I thought it was like when they I thought when they originally put him on the injured list that they were like lining up Waka to return for the the Texas series. I could be wrong, but I think that was when they skipped him and that was yeah. the hope he wouldn't miss the, too much time. And then yeah. once they threw him on the IL, it kind of switched out. So he's never coming back. Uh, for a guy who's had these kind of issues before, it's quite scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and who has not pitched well when he hasn't been a hundred percent, but I think the offense, the plate approaches were a lot better in the series and the Red Sox were at a point like 
if they don't win a series, like, come on, they have to win a series. And if you can't do it against the Texas Rangers, it's not getting any easier after that. And, you know, a lot of their big guns, especially Marcus Simeon, horrible start to the year. Uh, horrendous. You know, people are crying about Trevor Story. Semyon's right there with them. Let's see if Story can go out there and kind of break out of that mold a little bit and uh, show that Semyon's contract's looking worse than his. Has he been that bad? Hor- like horrendous. Like, you're going to look at the stats. I'm pretty sure he's still hitting below 200. Oof. Marcus Simeon is hitting 171 with a 461 OPS. Does not have a home run yet. Can't say that about Trevor Story. Can't say it because it's not true. Uh, Jake, what do you got for this Texas Rangers series? I got the Rangers in a sweep. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love the way they're playing. I hate the way the Red Sox are playing. Looking great for a Rangers sweep. It's a good pick. It's just a good pick. Consistent. Yep. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to let that walk-off loss get to me. I'm not. I'm not going to let the walk-off loss get to me. Red Sox should have won that game. Uh, They should have swept the defending World Series champion Braves in Atlanta, had an off day to just chill, feel good about their two-game sweep, and then go to Texas and, and keep it rolling. So if I know anything about that clubhouse, they're going to move on and they're going to sweep the Texas Rangers. I got the Red Sox sweep. I hope you're right. Oh, I am right. They're going to sweep that series. Pat, by the look on your face, I know that you don't agree with me. uh, As you previously said that you think it's going to be two out of three, but your your reaction said this fucking idiot thinks that they're going to sweep. How about win a game? How about... How about win, win a series? You think they're going to sweep? And, and to that, you know what I say, Pat? They're winning all three. Are we talking blowouts here? Or are we talking some uh, magic? What are you feeling? What will be the story of the series? Uh, give me a plus. Give me a plus seven run differential for the series. Yeah. Not a ton of breathing room, but some. No. But some, but some, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel. I got a plus seven run differential for the series and a three game sweep of the Texas Rangers at the hands of the Boston motherfucking Red Sox. That's just what I feel in my soul. Hopefully I don't fucking die. Hopefully I live to see the, the sweep. It'd be nice. If Um, things go bad, maybe it'll be good if you die. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's what this team needs. Pat, what was that look? Like I said something that was so sickening. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it may, it may be. It, I don't. Okay. I get you know what? For that. If, if I die from this sickness, uh, I want you guys to continue on with the podcast. I want you to continue on. Anything you for to, you. Yeah. Thank you. I want you to. <laughs> I want you to continue on and tell Pete that too when he comes back. Pete's Pete's in the middle of hockey season. We knew that uh you know like a little slappy puck was gonna intervene with Pete Pete appearances. Um but I want Pete to know that uh that you guys will carry on if I die from this. Cause it feels like I'm gonna. So 
Hopefully, next hopefully. episode, the Jared Carabas funeral episode. Yeah, the tribute. Just I want a tribute episode. Oh God. What, Pat? I just got a cramp. <laughs> yeah. Get old. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I just I just I guess I turned the wrong way. I did back today. Ah, at the gym. Mm-hmm. You look like you're in great shape. Thank you. I've I since uh the like Christmas time I was down twelve pounds. Packed yep. on a few extra since then, but we're going right back down. Hey, you know what? Muscle weighs more than fat, they say. How is it? That that is true. That is that's what they say. Yeah, they do say that because it's true. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I didn't pack on a few pounds. Maybe I just packed on muscle. Right. Yes. You're just making gains. You know it. Yes. Uh all right. Well, we'll be back <coughs> on Sunday, I guess. Uh, uh, enjoy your off day, not having to watch this team on Thursday. And, uh, you know, excited. I'm excited for this, this sweep that we're going to see of the Rangers. It's going to be, going to be fun. So whew, go, go socks. Go, go socks. Woo! Buenas noches, amigos.